Hi, Eric Bailey, alongside Eli Letterman for this week's Tulsa World Podcast, talking everything Oklahoma football. We are just a little over one week away from opening day, and uh, the, the thrill will be back for Oklahoma, for Sooner Nation, and especially for Brent Venables. Uh, Eli, we had a chance yesterday to sit and talk to the coach, Coach Venables and his, some of his players, and you could feel the excitement with everything they talked about. I mean, it's been a long offseason, Eric. I mean, let's go back all the way to late November of last year when Lincoln Riley leaves and that kicks off the entire offseason. It's finally time again for football, which I think is exciting. We've talked so much about Brent Venables and this new era and everything that's come with it, and now it's finally time. I think we're all ready for it, us, the fans, everybody, just to, to be back and shoot eight days from now. It's Friday. Eight, eight days from now or seven days from now, we'll be staring at on the eve of, of, of week one, and that, that's pretty dang exciting. Yesterday on Thursday, it was the first opportunity for us to talk to players since before fall camps uh, started, and that's very unusual. Usually we get players once a week, get a handful of players, but yesterday was the only day really – before uh, game week that we had a chance to talk to players. We talked to them right before Paul Camp began. Uh, there was a situation this this year. It was different, though, with Kel Gundy uh, abruptly resigning, and there was a lot of cloud kind of overhanging the program, and I think that was partially the reason why we really didn't get to talk to players. Yesterday was the first day we had a chance to talk to players. Uh, I did talk to Key Lawrence and Eric Gray a little bit about the situation. We didn't go into detail, but I just wanted to get a, a feel for what the players went through during that time. And uh, both of them said that Coach Venables did a really good job of keeping them focused on task uh, and just work on football. And they said it was so therapeutic just being on the practice field with everything going on surrounding them inside the locker room, outside the locker room. They just focused on football and they said they focused on September 3rd, which is the opener about against UTEP. So, uh, you know, maybe the, just probably the final thing we'll really talk about Kel Gundy for a while. But I thought it was important to reach out to those players and just get a feel for what they went through uh, with everything, with all the distractions swirling around. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it. I think from everything we gained, gleaned from these last four weeks, all the training camp was that within the program for all the overflow of the Kale Gundy story and, and how that kind of was dissected and whatnot in the public discourse within the program. September third always seemed to kind of be um, on the mind, and and I I think you could argue that in some ways the story got drawn out by keeping players kind of sidelined from speaking for close to you know I think it was like twenty three, twenty four days in the end, but. On the whole, it seems like internally and where it really matters, this team has has kind of been focused, and and that at least for them has been in the rear view. And I think on the whole, that's how it should be. I thought it was really interesting too when we got a chance to talk to Coach Venables. We asked him about a depth chart. I had a chance to ask him about when he was going to release a depth chart, and also, uh, you know, what was his quarterback situation? Everyone knows that Dylan Gabriel is going to be the starter. Who's going to be the backup quarterback? And he said it's still a three man race. Nick Evers, General Booty. Davis Benison, they're still working through that. I think Monday we'll have an idea who the backup quarterback will be. And, and, and we all know the backup quarterback's just important as a starter because you're just one play away. So I thought that was interesting that he talked about that and also that we're going to get a depth chart on Monday. That that really makes us feel like it's football season again. Depth chart season, man. Can't mm -hmm. wait to see that too deep. But yeah, the quarterbacks are, are interesting. I think from what we've seen in camp, and we've, we've kind of seen the same 40-minute stretch of practice every time we're out there, but it's looked like like Davis Bevel, the pit transfer, who's probably the most experienced of the backup options, has been the guy taking those second team snaps. But from the sound of it, Brent Venables, things are not just settled yet. But my question for you, Eric, I'm going to put you on the spot. How soon is it, whether it's Davis Bevel, General Booty, or Nick Evers, how soon in that opener, assuming it goes 
against UTEP the way a lot of people would expect. How soon do you think we see one of those backup quarterbacks? You know, I, I probably think maybe fourth quarter. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, you know, you just never know. It's hard to predict. I mean, uh, you know, even week two in Kent State, we might see a couple of those quarterbacks then too. Bevel's got experience. General Booty. We we saw him what he did at JUCO. We know he can play. You know, play football. And Nick Evers is. You know, he's a, just a true freshman too. So it'd be good if you could get all three of those some work at some point during the non-conference season. Uh, the best guess would be these first two weeks, of course, with Nebraska in week three. But I think it's so important for uh, just this program moving forward that you do have that quality backup because again, uh, you saw what happened to Dylan Gabriel, knock on wood. I hope it doesn't happen again. If you're an OU fan that he, he was hurt in week three last year at UCF. So you just never know when that backup quarterback's going to be needed. Yeah. And I guess, you know, again, we're assuming here that UTEP and Kent state, those games go certain ways, but I, I wonder, and these are maybe our week one questions uh, for, for Brent Venables and the staff, but is it that Jeff Levy and this offense, they want to get, you know, X number of series with the first team guys, or do they feel like they've got to be up a certain number? I'll be curious to see kind of what they want to see from the first team, first of all. And then after that, how do they work in some of those second teamers? Because you're right, they, they need to get these guys some experience and know what they've got there. You know, it's crazy, Eli. When you think about it, UTEP, they're going to open the season tomorrow, Saturday. Wow. Uh, yeah, Conference USA game against North Texas. Uh, and Seth Luttrell, the head coach at North Texas, good friends with Bill Beatonbow. Bill made sure we knew about that when we had a chance to talk to him before the season. Uh, it'll be neat because, you know, I talked to Keith Lawrence. Keith Lawrence said that this is going to be like a Super Bowl game for him to watch because he wants to see what the opponent's going to be like, what they expect. And from an OU perspective, they're going to have game film uh, going into the opening week. They're going to have game film on UTEP. I kind of know what they like to do, who the key players are. No guessing games because they'll know what UTEP is. But then again, it seemed like Brent Venables didn't want to put too much stock in that either, too. He, he wants the focus to be on Oklahoma and what they can do. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a funny thing. And, you know, you mentioned the familiarity uh, with Bill Biedenbone and the coach at North Texas. You've got Dana Demel or Dimmel, excuse me, at UTEP, the head coach. He and Brent Venables were at K-State together in the 90s. And I spoke to Dana last month. Um, and what I learned about UTEP there is they're returning a lot of a lot of the team that was probably their best team of, in the last decade from last season. So maybe that's part of it with Brent Venables, because you're right. He said, you know, we're not really going to – there's not much of an advantage from getting able to watch them. I don't know if I buy that, but, I mean, that's how he spoke. He said, we're, we're focused on us. But maybe the other thing in there is that the team that's going to play tomorrow against North Texas isn't all that different from last year's. Because this UTEP team really is – they're returning almost the entire front seven, a lot of the offense. So it will look, I think, a lot like last year's team. But certainly, I, I think any team in the country would take the freshest game film they can get going into week one. That, that's a unique opportunity there. Brent Venables pulled out a, a baseball reference saying everything, every opponent that comes in, it's like a game seven to the opponents when they play Oklahoma. And he even strongly said those opponents hate Oklahoma. You know, forget <laughs> respect, they hate Oklahoma. They want to beat Oklahoma. So I think it might be a little bit of a, uh, you know, just make sure his team's ready for any opponent that walks into that stadium. That was interesting too. Um, he said game seven, and I was thinking – he said game seven, and my mind goes to, all right, that's like four games into the conference schedule, and then I realized we're talking baseball. <laughs> Threw me off a little bit. Yeah, game, hockey, NBA finals. Game seven can mean a lot of things when you think about it, too. So I thought it was interesting, too, and you brought this up, you know, the cheetah position. It's kind of a hybrid position on Venable's defense, and you wonder, you know, who's going to be slotting that? I mean, it sounds like the nickel spots turn into the cheetah spot where you got a guy who can play 
all kinds of things. And two names came up yesterday, Justin Harrington and Deshaun White. And he was interested in, in, in talking about both of them. Uh, it talked about the versatility that both of them had, how they can cover, how they can blitz, run stop, uh, cover zone. I mean, you just, you've got to be a versatile player to play that position. And he said that that's why they're hard to recruit because they're hard to find. And it sounds like Harrington and White are going to get strong looks to start the season at that spot. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the at the secondary, almost everything but that spot is settled. I think we can count on seeing Woody Washington and, and DJ Graham at the two corner spots. You're, you can be pretty confident that Billy Bowman and Key Lawrence will be those kind of standard safeties. But that nickel cheetah position spot is, is open. And I think what jumped out to me most, because you said it's hard to kind of find the right guy for it. Brent Venable said he's looking for football players because that spot kind of requires you to be a Swiss Army knife and do everything. So it's it's got to be the right fit. And it's what makes it interesting that we're talking about for that spot, you know, traditional safeties. We're talking about Deshaun White. He's spent most of his career at linebacker. And and I guess, you know, the different qualities they would bring to it. Um, but then, you know, with Deshaun White, you, you also wonder if you take him away from linebacker, where, where does that leave them at a spot? The Brent Venables even yesterday acknowledged that the depth is a little bit shaky at this. No, no more so now than with uh, with TD Roof done for the year. Yeah, and uh, on a side note, uh, they were asked about uh, uh, the scholarship situation with the, the retirement of uh, Brendan Walker and TJ Roof uh, being out for the season. And there's nothing they can do with those scholarships right now, uh, but they're, they're focused on making sure those guys who are gonna ask what's next, uh, you know, they're gonna be still be part of the program. Uh, Brendan Walker, of course, retired uh, health issues, medical issues with his back, and he's gonna be a student coach. And uh, TJ Roof, we've seen him, uh, I think he, he'll be an asset to this team in, in some way, just his leadership alone. So uh, I, I, I still wonder if he'll be back next year. He's got that chance to maybe get that medical red shirt year seven. Here's a name that didn't come up and hasn't come up a whole lot in camp. I was kind of going back and going through some of our transcripts. Trey Morrison, who's another guy you might have looked at at maybe that nickel spot, played a ton at, at North Carolina. He's a veteran and he spoke in the spring about having played a nickel spot in the past. He's versatile, but his name hasn't come up a whole lot. Now, I'd imagine in, in those early games, we'll see some rotation on defense, but he'd be a guy I would at least kind of throw into that mix, at least based on profile and, and what he brings. But we'll see really probably what they think about him as a coaching staff in those first few games and, and how they feature him. It's going to be interesting, too, because there's a lot of newcomers you just wonder about. Yeah, I think of C.J. Colden from uh, Wyoming. What's he going to be like? What's he going to bring to the table? And had a chance to talk to Jeffrey Johnson, too, the two-lane two transfer, who has 40-plus starts, a lot of experience. And it was just kind of funny. Last year at this time, he was getting ready to walk into the stadium to beat Oklahoma. Now he's going to walk into this year. He's going to walk into the stadium uh, to help Oklahoma win games. And he, he just kind of got a kick out of that, thinking, you know, it's going to be really cool to, to be on this side of the, the coin instead of the other one, too. So a lot of players I think we'll learn about early. And you, you talk about those quarterbacks getting early action. I'm kind of anxious to see some of these newcomers and uh, who, who's going to play and who's going to come out and start right away and who's going to be impact players from the get-go. Well, no, there, OU fan, not only did he come to, with Tulane to, to beat OU, they almost beat OU. Uh, but <laughs> You know, I think all the talk about the defense, perhaps the most underrated place to look is that like that, that spot in the middle of the defensive line. I think with Jalen Redmond and what Jeffrey Johnson brings, everyone's focused about the secondary. We're talking about the linebackers. I think that has the potential to be maybe one of the most exciting developments on this OU defense. If those two guys can can hold that down and bring that pressure up the middle, I think that could be one of the strengths of this defense. So I'm really excited to see him. And then, as, as you said, 
there's all this, there's a lot of guys we want to see these new players, I, I, even down at linebacker to, to, uh, to Kip Lewis and, uh, and Jaron Kanick and all these, uh, these freshman linebackers who I think have earned their, some of the playing time they might get, but also out of necessity, I think we're going to see them early and just see what they've got because they've been spoken of so highly since they arrived in the spring. And we'll hopefully as they can get maybe into the depth, maybe they're up big in, in these first two weeks, get to see these guys and, and see what they look like and see if they're guys they can lean on when we get to October and November. And, you know, one of the guys that we know a little bit about, but I'm more interested in seeing just playing under the system is Ethan Downs. I want to see yeah. what kind of playmaker he's going to be in this system. And you're right. Redmond and Johnson in the middle on the defensive line, their aggression and what they, how they're used. And it's going to be fun to watch seeing how this team develops. Now, fun, I don't know if fun will be the right word sometimes because there are going to be some growing pains. I think that's the one thing everyone needs to realize. It's not going to be seamless. It's not going to go out there and Oklahoma's defense is going to shut people out. There's going to be some growing pains. And I think Venables understands that. I think the coaches understand that with the transition. But we'll, we'll see these first two games, especially starting on September 30 against UTEP, what it's, what it's going to be like. And I'd also say, you know, growing pains on defense, probably the same for the offense. I think we know what to expect from a Jeff Levy offense, and you would expect them to be scoring a lot. But if, and those first few series on, on September 3rd or even on September 10th with Kent State might not look the way it's going to look a month down the road. I mean, they're going to be figuring things out. And at least the good thing, college football fans don't usually overreact to stuff. So if they start slow, <laughs> um, I'm sure no one will be uh, freaking out. And we'll see if Twitter's already firing Jeff Levy three series in. But I think growing pains is a good way to look at this. It's not going to be perfect from the start, that's for sure. I remember Lincoln Riley's first year as offensive coordinator in 2015, that first game, they kind of stalled a little bit. And I was getting tweets. He's the wrong guy. We, you know, Oklahoma hired the wrong guy. And it's funny. Yeah. So we'll see what the reaction's like when they go three and out or or something happens, throw a pick. We'll see what happens. And But it, it wouldn't, you know, college football wouldn't be college football without fans. That's for sure. Uh Offensively, you mentioned that too. I think the one player I'm interested in seeing on offense is Marcus Major. Uh, and I'm anxious to talk to him. We still haven't talked to him in a long time. I, I, I would love not to since talk the spring, to him. right? Yeah, not no, no, we didn't even talk to him in the spring. We oh, wanted to. Wow, we wanted yeah. To um, I think it's just one of those things. I'd love an opportunity to talk to him and just talk about how he's going to be using this offense. And I guess we're going to see it before we talk to him, it seems like. And uh, with Levy's uh, passion for running the football, I think Major can really, really produce in this offense just with his running style, you know, just kind of a more powerful back that can find holes. Uh, we saw some glimpses of him at times last season. I think that he's a player that I'm really going to keep an eye on. I think I've said it on here a bunch. I know I've written it a bunch, but it's really important, I think, to frame the running back conversation this year around how Jeff Levy uses his running backs. This is not, a Ken there's no Kennedy Brooks on the roster, and I'm sure Jeff Levy would love to have him if he could be here still, but this is not an offense that needs an a thousand yard rusher that, you know, to, this Jeff Levy's offenses at UCF and Ole Miss, they used the depth at running back and they used a lot of guys and they, they, I don't think he had an a thousand yard rusher in those seasons. So he's going to need the depth beyond Eric Gray. And I think that starts with Marcus major who for a variety of reasons, hasn't seen a lot of the field. I think it's 60 carries in three years. He's going to need to lean, I think on at least one of the freshman backs, Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes, um, so starting with Marcus Major in this depth, I'm, I'm as curious as you are. And I think, again, these early non-conference games should give us an opportunity to see those guys and, and give them an opportunity to prove it. We saw a bit of Javante Barnes in the spring game. He looked good. Heard nothing but good things about uh, Gavin Sawchuk. I talked to Eric Gray about him uh, at practice yesterday, and he said that what impressed him, we've all heard about uh, Gavin Sawchuk's speed on the field. 
but he said the speed with which he's picked things up and learned this offense coming in in the summer is really going to help him when he gets out there. Uh, so I think, you know, among all the exciting, interesting things to, to watch on the offense, for me, it, it's, it starts with the running backs. As we uh, wind down this week's session, uh, just an update on what the schedule is going to be like next week. We'll have an opportunity to talk to coordinators, um, Jeff Levy and Ted Roof, Monday morning. Uh, we'll get players after practice Monday night around 7 o'clock. It'll be a late night. And then turn around and we'll get Brent Venables on uh, Tuesday morning. And then we'll get more players Tuesday night. That's going to be kind of the game week routine in terms of media. So all the the, the reporting and all the uh, interviewing will take place on Mondays and Tuesdays. I think Brent Venables' uh, radio show, we have to come con confirm this. I think it'll be Monday night. In, in years past, it's been on Tuesday night. So I need to double check that as well. But I, right now, it appears like it'll be Monday nights too. So time to be determined. We'll know a little bit more later. Uh, one last thing, uh, Eli was the fun yesterday, uh, oh, before practice, we had, we had a good time. Uh, can I explain what we did yesterday? Well, we were invited because of course the media, the most important folks out there were invited along with some other people to, uh, to check out the food that's going to be on offer at Oklahoma Memorial Stadium this fall, the stuff they'll be selling in the concession stands, what they might be serving in some of those club level seating and all that. Uh, and we just kind of got to go around a little kind of small plate offerings, just about everything. And I had my first Fletcher's corn, corny dog. I was corrected. Uh, the corny dog from the Texas State Fair that they've got, A+. Plus, uh, had a hot chicken sandwich, but some ice cream. I mean, the works. But, Eric, the real winner, both of us agreed, were, were the Korean barbecue bowls from uh, Cup Pop outstanding and you know when I got there I got there after you had had one and you guys said that's the best thing there and I'm I'm not big at, you know we've been on the road enough you know I'm not really anxious to try different things but I tell you I tried that and I, I still I woke up today thinking about that great great food man it, it was the real deal rice I... and uh, noodles with the beef and the sauce and you mix it up in a bowl and it was just it was perfect it was perfection and I, I actually when we were walking out I went up to the proprietor and told him uh, it was great. Best thing there. So, uh, yeah, that was that was my A+. plus. But there were a lot of great offerings, though. You're right. We saw little corn dogs with the uh, hot Cheetos on it. <laughs> yeah, saw, I skipped we, those. Uh, yeah. I skipped those. <laughs> <laughs> Some uh, old standbys like Midway Deli, they, the, the, you know, with their uh, sides and their sandwiches. And and then also, you know, the, the one vendor that wasn't getting a lot of action, I think, was Pizza Hut. But they'll be in the stadium again. But, you know, everyone knows Pizza Hut. So you're going to get good food there. So, no, I thought it was really neat to be invited to that and get an idea of what the game day concessions will be like. It's one of my favorite days of the year. They haven't done it much since COVID. This is the first time they brought it back. So OU fans will be uh, they'll be excited about what the offerings are during game day. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'll be hitting back Cup Pop for, for, that, uh, for that Korean barbecue sometime soon. All right. Well, Eli and I will be back next week with a podcast earlier in the week uh, as we get ready for game week. Uh, it's finally here. We've waited a long time. We appreciate all the, the listeners to this podcast. Be sure and subscribe to on any platform that you use and keep reading our work on TulsaWorld.com.